Welcome to Maritime Software Hub, the podcast for people that are passionate about innovation and technology across the maritime, supply chain and satcom space. Hosted by me, Callum Beaumont and my colleague Daniel Duggan, this podcast will introduce our listeners to a fantastic mixture of highly influential and successful guests, shining a spotlight on their careers and expertise by reviewing key challenges and rewards associated with their day-to-day roles. So hi, Amy. Uh, where are you in the world right now? I'm just outside of, the, of uh, Tel Aviv. Oh, you are fantastic. Well, I'm based in Kent, uh, just about 45 minutes or so from London. So we've got a bit of a drizzly, rainy day today, unfortunately. But uh, from what I can see from your side, it looks pretty nice and, and bright there. I, I am not going to tell you what the weather is <laughs> right now. This is, a time, this is a time of the year where it kind of sets itself apart, I think, until July, where it becomes too hot to bear. And do you do you kind of split your your month or your week between kind of London and Tel Aviv, or are you generally in one place more than others? Yeah, my family's here, based here in Tel Aviv, but um, I spend a lot of time in London. But uh, fortunately, I think our business is growing, so I find myself, you know, in all kinds of places around the world recently. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and speak to us. Um, I know I appreciate you were in um, traveling earlier last week and things as well. So. Uh, I mean, for, for those that don't know, I'm sure the majority of our listeners will be well aware of, of who you are and your role, but perhaps you can do a, do a, a quick overview and an intro into your role now, uh, or your, your many roles you hold at the moment, and, and a bit about your background, and we can then dig a little bit deeper uh, into kind of early stages of your career. Why not? Uh, so, uh, hi, Ami Daniel. I'm co-founder and CEO of a company called Winward. We're traded in the London Stock Exchange. Uh, I co-founded the company 11 and 12 years ago with my co-founder called Matan, who I met in the Navy days. I'm going to touch on on that in a second. Uh, Originally, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm an entrepreneur because I wanted to be the best at something. And I studied in a gifted class and everybody were super smart. So although I have Harry Potter glasses, um, they were even smarter than me. Um, I didn't have such cheap glasses at the time. (laughs) Uh, But um, uh, anyway... Um, so, so, uh, everybody were good at math and physics and all that stuff. And I wanted to be the best at something. Um, so I ended up with a couple of my friends, uh, when I was 16, building a Jewish Arab, a Jewish ultra-Orthodox community center in, in my hometown. Yeah. It's like 20 something years on still operating and alive. We raised a million bucks for that from a, from a British, uh, fund called the Chlor Foundation. Fantastic. Uh, so we did it ourselves. Everything from the project idea to uh, burning just a bit of tires on the road to get some attention, uh, to raising the funds, to finding a building, to hiring an architect, to writing the plans, the programs of what's going to go down there. Uh, it, won, it won multiple awards. Um, I afterwards joined the Navy, like everybody in Israel needs to go to the Army, so at least most of the people. I'm not going to get into that right now. Yeah. Um, so I went to the Navy at 18. I served six and a half years uh, on board a Navy vessel. Uh, which was hit in the Second Lebanon War on July 14, 2006, 8.42 p.m. by a Hezbollah missile. Oh, wow. Uh, so quite the day that was, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I should say. Uh, I met my co-founder in the Navy, uh, Matan, and when we left the Navy, we said, oh, you know, big oceans, small ships, there's these satellites, got to do something about it. Yeah. Um, in my current role, I'm the CEO of the company, but I'm also an entrepreneur, so we constantly build new businesses, new products, which it's one of the things I love the most. Uh, so it's not very corporate-y, I would say. 
uh, in today's days and age and the pace the world is changing every day now, I think we should talk about it. I think that's what's really interesting for the listeners. We should talk about what's happening in the world. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, if you're not on top of it, if you're not on top of your numbers, your customers, your products, your competitors, your market, your strategy every day, day in, day out, you're going to be left out of business very fast, my friend. And that's not in my plans. No. So, um, um, so I think that's, that's about it. Great. Fantastic. Well, thank you for the, uh, the overview. I mean, just, just to pick up on a couple of points you mentioned, you said from a very early age, you obviously quite entrepreneurial. Um, I'd love to just, if, if you can kind of pinpoint it down to one or two things, do you know what was really driving you back then at the kind of in your mid teens, what was kind of pushing you to try and do your own sort of business and, and that sort of venture? Yeah, I think, um, uh, I like building stuff. I like, like I enjoy taking big problems and picking them apart and solving them block by block and then re-putting them together. Uh, and, and, and I found that when you're an entrepreneur, you can do that. You can think outside of the box and don't ask, don't have to ask permission. Yeah. There's a known sentence in this place called it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. That's right. Um, so, so I think it's about that. And, and I think, think that's what drives me the most. If you look at our media coverage, for instance, it's far above and beyond, you know, our size. Uh, and that's because we take a different approach to media. We take a different approach to content marketing. We take a different approach to product development than many others. And I enjoy doing that. By the way, the flip side of that, and when I was leaving the Navy, uh, which is a big system, as you know, as you can imagine, I'm not sure hundreds of people were weeping and saying, oh my God, Ami is leaving the Navy after six and a half years. What are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Not exactly. Um, because uh, that's a, there was a very big system. I was very young. I'm, I'm less young now. Um, um, and, and, and I think I excel and I love and I get energy from from building, from engaging, from figuring it out, from understanding the value. Um, and, and I find that now, actually, when we're building our supply chain business, which is practically brand new, it's about a year and a half old, yeah, and then I really I find that to be very useful and, 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 and helpful. On that point, how is Joe doing? It seems to be, I see him at lots of events, sort of posting uh, that he's sort of attending these different functions and things. So it looks like he's really driving the, the, new, the new space. Joe Peak, yeah, Joe's great. Yeah, you know, I was in Germany with him last week. I'm going to be in Germany with him next week. I think you guys helped hire him. Yeah, so thank you very much for that. I think he's a great hire, and you guys did a great you guys did a great job. So well done. Thank you, appreciate. It. No, he's a yeah, fantastic guy. I'm really glad that it seems to be working out well. But, but by the way, if you, if you want to talk about hiring for a second, I think the single most important thing is cultural fit. Yes, yeah. more than anything else. Uh, which, and I think we have a great culture fit. And I, you know, I had a. I'm sure you, you and your clients know about the beer test. Do you know about the beer test? Uh, as in you take them out for a drink, see how they get on like <laughs> after a few beers? Yeah, as in, yeah. as in you need to ask yourself, do I want to have beer with this? Yeah, beer? definitely. Well, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an ex-broker, so that was generally the kind of the first port of call for an interview was take them to the pub, see how they get on for it. A... <laughs> well, next an ex-broker, absolutely. In London, oh my God, yeah. You probably have a subscription for a beer. Yeah, <laughs> a few, few membership cards and things. Um Good. And, and on that point about culture, so I was going to ask you a little bit later on, but it'd be great to cover it now. If you could point, uh, sort of describe it in one or two words, how would you kind of describe the culture at Winwood that you've kind of built or that you're shaping? Uh, energetic. Yeah. Active. Accountable. Innovative. When working with partnership. Um, and customer first. And I think that's, that's our culture. Um, 
by the way, I think when you build a, a global company, which we are now, because you know whatever, 30, 40% of our people are not in the headquarters. Yeah. Um, I think it's super important. And I think culture is something that is a good anchor. Again, the world is a pretty crazy place right now. And that I think that culture really serves not just as better, a better vehicle to get outcomes, but also a vehicle to keep your people sane. Because, you know, in, just in the last week, you had SVB collapse. Yeah. Then you had, you had First Republic Bank collapse. And then you had Credit Suisse collapsing, right? And that's just the last week. That's not internal yeah. politics, which we have in Israel in abundance. And it's not like train strikes, which you guys have in London every other day, basically. True. Uh, as you know, if you live in Kent. Uh, <laughs> but also Germany has tra train strikes in France. And interest rates are going up. And inflation is going up. So everything is pretty much crazy nowadays. And it seems like the pace of things is really accelerated. So to deal with that, I think culture is really important because it allows communication, collaboration. Uh, it, allow, it allows to figure things out together because sometimes, my friend, even I don't know the answer. Yeah. Most of the times. Most of the times I'm just trying to figure out the question. Understood. Okay, that makes sense. And I, I'm similar in my role. I try and shape uh, the vision and, and, and the culture of the team. And sometimes it can change a little bit. You have to sort of adapt uh, to, to circumstances like you mentioned and things. So I, I completely get that. Um, let's move along. So as far as Winwood itself, um, it, it, perhaps from your, your point, it would be great to hear your uh, overview of how you help your customers and, and your businesses that you work with, how you help them, the kind of digital journey, whether it's in, in the shipping or more the financing space to do with maritime risk and things like sure. great to hear an overview. Of course. So first of all, we we're building a, a platform that accelerates global trade. Uh, we partnered with three segments with public sector, with trading and shipping and with the supply chain sector. All of what we provide them is based on the same platform and the same deep AI we've been investing for years now. I think uh, welcome everybody to the world of AI. I'm happy that ChatGPT uh, brought it to everyone. I think it's great for everybody. It's also great for us. But we've been in there for a while, and AI is not something you clap your hands twice and build. Actually, GPT has been built in the in the works for like five and a half years now. So, so overnight success doesn't isn't, doesn't really happen yeah. overnight, right? Um, um, and I think we help every one of these customers in a bit of a different way. Basically, our platform allows you to manage risks and, and optimize your operations. If you're a public sector uh, agency, then we're the golden standard in understanding risk at sea. Uh, and you, you, you probably either have spoken to us or will speak to us uh, or are using us. Uh, I think you're talking about dozens of agencies in the world right now, um, almost two dozen in the U.S. Uh, so um, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, and I think they're using it for daily operations. Who's coming into my country? Who's importing? Is, you know, is this oil Russian? Uh, who's smuggling right now? We have numerous, numerous cases of success in, in interjecting and enforcing sanctions. On the trading and shipping world, we work with three super majors, including VP and Shell, uh, with banks, with trade compliance organizations. And really that is exploding right now because indeed Russia invaded Ukraine a year ago, but just now you have the Russian uh, uh, price cap on CPP and crude really taking effect and the wind down period ending. Um, and there was a recent case in the, in the news called the Noble, which I'm sure some people have heard about, uh, of these listeners, which, uh, I think made quite a bang because, um, well, you know, it, it shows that if you don't have good compliance trade compliance technology, then you might end up in the news. Yeah. And, you know, as far as we know, we're the only shot that actually helps clients do that. Uh, if, there, if it's, it, I think after this case, you either use Winward or you're exposed. That's your only two choices. 
And if it's okay, if your reputation isn't worth enough for you, I absolutely respect that. Um, but if it is, then, then perhaps, perhaps it's worth uh, an active, uh, active decision. Um, finally, I think we've been building a supply chain business. That's why we went public. That's where we raised the funds. Uh, I'm personally spearheading that. So I'm personally working with 50 plus of our people who are building that on a day-to-day basis. It's super exciting. It moves super fast. It's like building a new company. Only now I know what I'm doing and I have <laughs> cash and I have to come and a brand. So, yeah. you know, how, it's, it's, a different, it's a different experience. How, how has life changed since, you, since the business went public for you in your day-to-day role? Has it been dramatically different or is it kind of you were building up to it for quite a, a length of time? You were kind of ready for it? I work harder. First of all, yeah. um, so if you think you take the company public, then you go out to, to, to the beach to have a, have a cocktail. <laughs> I'll tell you how you do that. Uh, that's number one. Um, obviously, it changed in terms there are more stakeholders. I think as a private company, there's, a, there's internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. As a public company, there is only one set of stakeholders. So I think you need to adapt to that and think about that differently. And our chairman, Lord Brown, actually has been mentoring me on that because he's been doing this for a couple of years now, I think. Yeah. He's 75, so you know, <laughs> just a couple of years. Um, I think that's that's super interesting. Um, at the same time, I think that the the, the havoc in the capital markets uh, and in the business markets, you know, supply, if you look at the supply chain markets, rates have crashed completely by 90%, the price of shipping container. Uh, only in a matter of months. In September, they were still high. In October, it was like crashing, like 60, 70%. Mm. Um, that's changing so fast. The technology is changing. The, com- the competitive landscape is changing and the customers are changing. Um, if you look at what's happening in the oil markets with Russia, then, then all of the flows are changing because of that. Uh, and I'm not sure people foresaw that. So I think it requires you to be centered yeah. um, in terms of just taking a deep breath every morning and executing and being in the moment, um, which I think is the key. Because okay. I think in this world, you have, you know, you have everybody has a WhatsApp, has a Slack, has an email, has a this, has a that. And it seems like people aren't really listening anymore and aren't really engaging anymore. And I think they're just missing out. So I think active listening is the key and being centered is the key. And if you do that, then as a leader, you will really have a good chance of knocking out of the park. But if you're worried about, you know, what will be, what is, what was, what do I think? It's probably not going to, you know. Okay. It probably doesn't leave you enough energy to do that. Okay. And, and do, do you think in the shipping or the, the maritime space, we'll see a kind of a unicorn business that's kind of uh, done multi-billion sort of turnover and everything similar to like an Uber um, or that, that sort of business? Well, I think it depends what you call maritime. Uh, first of all, here in the Grapevine, you already, already have a unicorn business. It's called Besson. Um, so, so I think I have a lot of respect what they get, these guys have done. Yeah. Uh, we did a big deal with uh, Francisco Partners last year. So, so I think as far as I know, they're the biggest and the, the fastest growing company in this space. And I don't know if fastest growing, but biggest for sure. And I think I have a lot of respect for Sean and for John, everybody there. They're building a great company. I think Francois uh, at Kepper yeah. is building something special, uh, obviously. Uh, they have the backing of Inside. They did it at just the right time. So I think I have a lot of respect for what they're building. I think they're on track. Um, having said that, I'm not sure I, I buy into the definition of what's maritime. For me, I prefer global trade than maritime because I think the maritime market isn't that big. Yeah. Um, so, so, so it's hard to build a big company for a niche market, which is one of the reasons we went after supply chain. If you extend that to logistics, Project 44 and Forkites are already uh, unicorns. Yeah. So yeah, I think can be done for sure. 
Good. Okay. Excellent. So let's move on to the, the main kind of meat of, of the podcast today. And that's really to educate our listeners um, and anyone that's perhaps interested in becoming or aspires to be a CEO one day of, of a business. Um, obviously, Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. That's, that's, that's my main advice. Okay. Good. good. Well, we'll finish on that then. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, let, let's start. So I guess in, in your own words, how, how would you kind of describe the or define the role of a chief executive officer? Well, first of all, I think it's a big difference between a founder, CEO, and just a CEO. Yeah. And I think in, in, in the UK, you guys don't necessarily always draw that line, but I think as an entrepreneur, you need to draw that line. Because if you have an established business, then it's a totally different ballgame. Okay. Because things are working, you know, you need to manage things, but there's a revenue base, you know, there's a customer base, you know what the company is doing, you're managing it, you're hiring, you're firing, you're going to market, you're growing. That's great. As an entrepreneur, oftentimes you build from scratch. That means you have nothing. You know, I built, I failed in building many products because I'm, I'm, I'm really good at failing. I think I have a great, great track record of that. I've done that too. But yeah, for sure. I'm pretty <laughs> bad. Um, but, but I also succeeded just a bit. And I think as a software entrepreneur, you end up building products. It's a very product-oriented role. So it's all about the value to the customer, about engaging with the customers. Um, so I think the chief executive is, is very clear. Like, number one is you own the culture. Number two, you own the funding. Yep. Right? And number three, you own the people. If you don't do these things, then, then you, you, you don't have a company. Obviously, in a, in a software company, in a product company, I think you also need to own the understanding of the customers, okay. uh, which is what do they need, what do they want, and so forth. Um, so, so I think that's, that, that's, I think that's the, the gist of it. Yeah. Um, but, but in today's days and age, I think funding, you know, the only reason companies shut down is because they run out of money. So don't. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we try not to do that ourselves. So, yeah. Good. Okay. And... The, the general skills or traits you think that could make a, a, a strong or successful CA, what, what, what do you sort of see them being? Um, first of all, I think you need to be dedicated. You need to have a lot of energy. I need to really care about it because it's, it's not a nine to five job, right? You know, I, I, oh, you pretty much always work. I have one of the things that keep me sane is what I call digital Sabbath is I turn off my phone for 24 hours every Friday night. Yeah. Um, so I just don't, I just don't have a phone during the weekend or all weekend Saturday yes. in Israel. Um, so, so, and that keeps me sane because you can actually think and, you know, be with your family and cool off a bit. Um, so A, energy, B, you need to believe in what you're doing. You can't be a CEO of something you don't believe in. Uh, C, I think you need to be a people's person. You really need to care about people. I don't think you can be a CEO without caring about people. Customers are people. Partners are people. You need to have empathy, right? Employees are people. Executives are people. Your family are people. Your partner is a person, right? So you need to really care about that deeply. If you, I mean, there's certain elements that you can farm out, the COO or the CRO, that type of thing. Would you say the people element is one of those ones that maybe the COO could take more of a control over? Or do you still think, bottom line, is it still the CEO is responsible for it for everybody in the business? COO... There isn't really a proper definition for COO. COO really varies between different companies. So yes, he could or he couldn't. Um, but I, I, I think that CEOs need to be driven by passion to people because again, your customers are people. You need to look at them in the eyes and think about what they care about and what they want. I think it's important. 
and you're if you want to retain your good people or hire good people, you know, hiring and firing. That's you know, a big part of what a CEO does. I don't think you can you can. I think COO can take a lot of operations, OKRs, QBRs. You know, running the daily schedule, running the operations, making sure things are done properly, tracking the metrics, running projects for sure. But at the base of it today, like people, right? Makes sense. Okay, good. And for people, apart from we touched on this at the beginning, I said any advice for those that wish to become a CEO, so CEO, sorry. Um, apart from maybe don't do it. <laughs> um, what, what what would you give them perhaps to try and help them kind of propel their career a few rungs up the ladder perhaps? So so, I think the number one superpower I try to have is learning. So I'm absolutely obsessed about learning everything. Um, and I think that's the key, which means, so I, I, I took a one-year course when I was younger. It's called self-managed learning where, where I've experienced and touched upon and learned like 60 different ways to learn. And I have a method, which I apply to, to learning new things, okay. which is, I think, try to think one or two quarters in the future. What is my biggest thing I need to learn for the company? And then I do exactly the same every time I find three really good experts and I talk to them. Face to face, not on Zoom. Yeah, um, I read a book about it. The best book. I ask around, what's the best book? And I listen to a couple of podcasts about it. The combination of these, and then I apply this with my team, and and I try to write about it. And I think that allows me to learn very fast a lot of things, uh, which you need to do today if you want to build a new product. You know, generative AI. You need to learn that. What is it? What does that mean for your business? Obviously learn how to be a CEO of a public company and so on and so forth. So it's endless. And what's on your horizon now? What's your, your Q, Q2, Q3 kind of goal to learn, do you think, for this year? Well, I told you I took upon myself to lead a supply chain business. So supply chain is a whole world. So right now I'm very focused about learning. What does that mean? How people interact? How do people track? What's the underserved needs? Exactly what are the pain points of the customers? Yeah. Uh, how the different teams are built? So it's like a whole world and I'm obsessed about learning it. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Okay, good. Right. So thank you very much for the run through regarding the, that, that particular role function. So a bit, bit last couple of questions for more about yourself. Um, and we've listened to a couple of other our guests so far answer this. Um, but I'd love to learn a couple of things perhaps you can name about yourself that maybe uh, our listeners or I, I certainly don't know. It'd be great, great to hear them if that's okay. Let's do it. Yeah. So is, uh, can you list, can you just give us two things perhaps that we may not know about you that perhaps only your personal friends or family might know? Ooh, my first job was a clown. Okay. So, um, <laughs> um, uh, so I, uh, my, my key achievement is I ran the uh, uh, Independence Day stage in one of the neighborhoods with 1,500 kids and I make them dance. Wow. Excellent. <laughs> uh, uh, see, that's so uh, that's uh, you, like, you like being the performer to some extent. Uh, I think it prepared me to uh, performing on stage. Yeah, I think you know when you drive, when you when you when you, when you run a presentation. Where I gave a presentation sometime uh, uh, in the past in front of fifteen thousand people. So yeah, you know, fifteen thousand people is a lot of people. Yeah, you need to to be you know to know what you're doing. So uh, I think that's uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is that I think one of the secrets to a good life is a good partnership with your whatever wife, husband, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's one of the key things in my life that keeps me sane. And, uh, I think it's, um, 
I think in today's days and age, day and age, like family is one of the constants that shouldn't change. I'm not sure a lot of things that people appreciate it. And the CEO and the founder, like my wife is my, my life partner. Yeah. I just don't just call her my partner. I think it's your partner in building your joint life. Uh, and that's, that's, I think that's the right thing to do. That's a good thing to do. That's one of the secrets to happiness. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I've uh, been with my wife now coming up to seven or eight years now. And I think uh, without her, I never would have been able to launch Cordell Beaumont or, or be where we are now. So I, I completely agree. Cool. All right. I mean, well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really is a, a treat. And um, yeah, just, just in case any, any of our listeners want to reach out to you or perhaps maybe your team, is there a best way of them kind of communicating with you? I'm Daniel on LinkedIn. Okay, fantastic. Good. Well, you'll see lots of kind of posts and, and uh, videos about Ami in different forums and things. So uh, yeah, really enjoy following your material and, and, and all the insights you're sharing. So thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward, Thanks, look forward to speaking soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Maritime Software Hub. If you do have any further questions relating to this discussion, please do get in touch with myself or one of our recruiters and we would be delighted to help you. Also, please do subscribe and follow our podcast to help share our content with a wider audience base. And if you would like to see the video version of this episode, you can find the link to our YouTube channel in the show notes of this episode. Before we conclude... I'd like to share a quick overview of Cordell Beaumont, which is the company that powers this podcast. Founded in 2019, we're a specialist digital search and recruitment agency that helps highly talented sales, marketing, product management, leadership, and data analysis professionals secure some truly exciting career opportunities across the globe. Our client partners provide software platforms data subscriptions and advisory services across a variety of maritime and trade-related functions. These include vessel performance management, carbon and emission monitoring, weather insights, e-navigation, pre- and post-fixture chartering, and market analysis. What really helps us add value to our community is the fact that my colleague Daniel Duggan and I both previously worked as shipbrokers earlier in our careers, and each have a long family heritage in the maritime space. We share this passion of maritime across our team of recruiters, and we're generally interested in in the solutions our partners provide, as well as the success of our candidate network we engage with. So on that note, I'd like to thank you for listening and following Maritime Software Hub, the people podcast.